0: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
1: Okay, so fair warning. Uh, This might end up being kind of an interesting uh, show. I ended up having to record uh, at a totally different time in a totally different place and uh, using some different software today so please let me know if you like how everything sounds I uh, had a power outage so that means uh, yeah I'm recording at a very unusual time and uh, also won't be any music on this week's show uh, which I'll talk about a little bit later super bummed um, but yeah I will come back uh, with the full show including uh, a rundown of revolution uh, some thoughts on some recent CM Punk controversies as you might imagine and uh your usual dynamite preview so i will be back with that and some listener mail of course in a minute Welcome in, wrestling fans, and you're listening to The Next Pillar, your AEW podcast, where each and every week we bring you a blend of entertainment and insight, inspired by the latest goings-on in all elite wrestling, and a lot of a lot of things to talk about today, of course. Uh, I really enjoyed Revolution. Uh, you know, we had a nice little party here at the house, as usual, had a great spread. We did sandwich party, which is a great way to watch wrestling, you know, because you can kind of... Uh, you know, I like to tailor my specific s- sandwiches to specific matches. Um, like, you know, like, you know, the the CM Punk MJF match, you know, it's going to be bloody. You probably don't want to be eating the Italian grinder during that match. You know, that's more of like a tuna salad kind of match. Uh, in any case, uh, everyone had a great time. And I got to say, though, uh, things did feel... I guess a little flat for me and this may be one of those things that's just kind of lost in like a like YouTube slash WWE Network kind of world but uh, and it's not something I necessarily see or hear people talk about that much Um, but a pay-per-view you know can really be its own living organism you know like the experience of watching a great pay-per-view from start to finish uh, is an experience of its own and oftentimes you can have a pay-per-view that ends up being better than the sum of its parts where you have this lift, uh, you know, where even a boring match uh, can be an okay match on a great pay-per-view. Um, and with this pay-per-view, you know, especially compared to All Out or even Full Gear, but especially All Out, you know, my Revolution experience was... Uh, This felt like just a pay-per-view to me. Uh, It did not feel like it got that extra boost uh, that All Out did of being a great show from start to finish. Um, Obviously, uh, I had a great time watching it, and there were some wonderful performances, uh, which I'll get into later. Uh, But for me, this very much felt like, especially compared to All Out, it was just kind of uh, a flat pay-per-view at times. Um, and I think it's important to note, you know, not just cause I've, uh, kind of the consensus, I guess afterwards is I saw a lot of folks talking, you know, that the pay-per-view was just too long. Um, I saw a lot of folks saying that, um, but I think it's important to note, you know, that for me, you know, this show felt like a full hour longer than full gear, uh, or all out and it wasn't. And why did this show feel so much longer? Uh, that's something I'll get into a bit later. Uh, but yeah, you know, for me, uh, revolution was great though. You know, there were some, some wonderful matches for me. The one that really stood out was just the Eddie Kingston Jericho match, just because I was not expecting it to be as good as it was. Uh, also the tag match, obviously. Uh, but Hey, look, you know, this is not a review show. Uh, so I did have some other things that I wanted to get into. Um, but I did want to mention too, you know, just for me that revolution, uh, was obviously you know well worth my $50 uh, and we all had a great time watching it uh, but it did not feel like one of the pay-per-views that we will probably still be talking about five years from now uh, you know unlike all out which is you know for me a pay-per-view you know I still talk to people about all the time Um, so I do think it is important though and we'll get into this a bit later you know just there were a couple moments in the show where i did feel like, you know, this may have been a great show, but the momentum was very seriously affected by a couple things, again, I'll that I'll get into later. Um, so, look, I know I mentioned this in the intro, but uh, I really did not want to get into the nuts and bolts of this CM Punk entrance music controversy. Uh, I'm sure most of you listening to the show have been paying attention to this, but essentially, uh, you know, CM Punk came out using his old Ring of Honor entrance music. Um, which, incidentally, he only used this music for, I think, a briefer period of time than people may remember him using it. Um, and another detail that seems to have been missed by a lot of people uh, is that this AFI song, Punk, I'm, I believe I'm recalling this correctly. Someone please, someone please correct me if I'm not. Um, Punk actually debuted this music for his dog collar match with Raven, uh, but yet so yeah. Of course, you folks listening have probably seen this. Uh, there were a few uh, Blue Mark professional shit posters who uh, you know decided to make this CM Punk using this AFI uh, entrance, uh, you know, into a way to make sure that everyone you know isn't talking about how great of a pay per view revolution is. Everyone is talking about, you know, is this uh, too inside baseball? You know, that CM Punk used this entrance music. Um, so I try to stay away uh, from Twitter from Twitter uh, drama, at least when it comes to wrestling. <laughs> but I got it sucked in by this Louis Dangor guy. You guys may have seen this. Uh, just this notion, you know. Um, and I'll I'll pull up his 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 tweet here. Um, this notion, you know, that. The casual fan, you know, this mythical casual fan will, uh, you know, somehow be put off of the AEW product uh, just because, you know, CM Punk would happen to use a, you know, entrance music that they weren't familiar with. Uh, is ridiculous you know it's probably one of the best recent examples of a straw man argument that I can think of <laughs> um, and those kind of like blue blue check mark shit poster guys you know your jack farmers of the world and whatnot uh tend to use those kinds of arguments uh, or you know the both sidesism that's an another favorite one uh but yeah I the idea that anyone would watch that CM Punk-MJF dog collar match and come away with it, you know, that their main takeaway from that is that they're upset that CM Punk, you know, used an entrance music that they weren't expecting. Uh, That's just a ridiculous notion. Uh, And again, you know, it's the kind of straw man arguments that these guys love to make, frankly. Um, But yeah, so... Through the course of this argument, this guy makes this point uh, that you can't be expected to make sure, you know, that you can't expect every wrestling fan to know everything that happened is his point. Um, That notion is so ridiculous to me because, of course, uh, you know, I would never expect a wrestling journalist to know. Even a wrestling journalist, let alone a wrestling fan, but I would never even expect a you know a wrestling journalist like this, uh, you know, who gets paid to write about wrestling for a site. I would never even expect someone like that to know literally everything about wrestling. Uh, I would expect someone like this to know about you know one of the significant moments of one of the most important wrestlers of the modern era. You know, in particular when we're talking about him having a dog collar match. Uh, I'm just sitting here and I really can't remember, I really can't picture, I guess, not going back and watching some of CM Punk's matches before this pay-per-view where CM Punk is having his biggest match to date of his comeback. How can you write about wrestling and not want to go and get that context, not want to go and watch old MJF matches? Uh, And, you know, from where I sit, you know, I... Um, I mean, obviously, you know, we do some ad reads and things like things of that nature, but I'm not like a staff writer on a wrestling site, but I'm still going to take, you know, my own insights that I'm trying to get or I'm trying to give, you know, seriously enough to where I'm going to do some research like that, adding up it to a pay-per-view and I'll even be honest, you know, I had not heard that song in a long time. And so like the first 30 seconds that are kind of like a little like monster mover movie type stuff in with like synthesizer and stuff. I didn't know what it was at first. And I'll just say like, uh, you know, at our, you know, little get together, uh, we had someone that just assumed, you know, once that drum part hit that, you know, it was like a Terminator homage. And I'm sure that a lot of other people probably thought the same thing. Uh, cause I'm, can guarantee you that in the studio. And I, if I was putting that intro together, they probably were like, Hey, can we have it sound like the Terminator? Cause obviously those drums sound like the Terminator drums. Uh, th- But I digress. Uh, And yeah, the notion, you know, that this Louis Dangor guy would not like, oh, yeah, maybe I should like look into some CM Punk matches, you know, like maybe the last dog collar match he had before I watched this. Uh, It's just a lot of these guys when it comes to non WWE stuff, they just don't take their job very seriously. And it's very obvious, you know, uh, that a lot of these folks. Probably really don't watch AEW other than like the big events in the pay-per-views, which is fine. But I guess one thing that did come up during this discussion that I did want to push back upon a bit uh, is just the notion that, uh, you know, to criticize people for not knowing CM Punk's entrance, you know, is a form of gatekeeping. You know, I've, I've seen this idea floated. Uh, And I did want to push back on that just because I do think that gatekeeping is actually a very big problem uh, in culture and even in wrestling, frankly. Uh, But, you know, criticizing a journalist for not knowing an important part of CM Punk's history, particularly one that was explicitly referenced on Rampage, uh, you know, the Raven, that, that Raven match was... Uh, he gave the exact same promo that he gave before the match with Raymond in, Raven in Ring of Honor. Look it up. Uh, so this is something where I really just can't imagine not going back and looking at that feud in those matches before this event. Uh, sorry to hammer that again, but I just I have a hard time imagining not doing that. Um. So, look, you know, I'm not going to get into all of these tweets that were made on this subject because I know you guys have seen it. But I did want to speak, you know, specifically uh, to that particular issue. And I'm actually going to go about it uh, a different way. Let's move on to listener mail, actually. Uh, So I had a nice email from Mark. Uh, So it's crazy. I'm listening to your show on a Sunday afternoon and I hear you ask, what about Raven?" And then at Revolution, boom, CM Punk is wearing the same outfit and does the same entrance he did versus Raven in 2003. You must have been stoked. You called it. Uh, So thanks, Mark. Uh, And I was excited about it, but uh, I was excited as a CM Punk fan. I was not excited as, you know, Blake Hickman podcast host. Uh, And that's because, and the reason why I'm reading this first on the show is that this kind of dovetails into this point that I wanted to make, which... Uh, you know, I have people ask, you know, just cause they know that I've done, you know, I've worked in politics for a time I've worked, you know, in music for a time. Um, I've done a lot of different things in my life and I'm, I've, I've had some friends ask me, you know, Hey, now that you're doing this like project involving wrestling, you know, how is wrestling different from some of these other things that you've done? One of those things that I've noticed just like in wrestling culture, uh, is that people can be unnecessarily uh proprietary of their takes and opinions and what you know what do i mean by that um you know i could come on here and say like yeah you know i was right last week you know i said you know i expected them to reference the raven thing and they did uh that take is also incredibly obvious like of course CM Punk is going to reference his feud with Raven if he's having a dog collar match with MJF Uh, that's something that most wrestlers I think would do would reference their career but especially you know someone who has made his name in part because of how willing he is to reference the history of wrestling to reference his own career of course CM Punk is going to reference something with Raven Uh, and I had wanted it to come off of m- more of like a, well, okay, we know this is going to happen, but when, as less of a, like, this is my prediction type of thing. um, And I guess that's really the crux of what kind of irked me about, you know, this idea that, you know, it's gatekeeping to expect someone to get, you know, an obvious, wrestler, uh, an obvious wrestling history reference uh, when they're a wrestling journalist. Um, The idea that, you know, CM Punk doing these references that some of the crowd may not understand is, I guess, intrinsically a form of gatekeeping. You know, this is the this is the argument that's being peddled out here on Twitter. Uh, and it couldn't be further from the truth, because, of course, if you want to learn more about CM Punk. Just Google CM Punk, you know what I mean? Like this information is out there like And I know that people are a little scared of, you know, using programs like Soul and BitTorrent and things like that, but you can find all of of these matches, all of these interviews, all of these segments. Uh, And, you know, fortunately, uh, you know, thanks to Tony buying Ring of Honor, we'll probably be able to find it much easier. But I'm just saying that these things are out there. And so if you want to educate yourself on CM Punk so that you understand a reference like that, you can go and watch it. This is not something uh, gatekeeping refers to uh, you know, excluding people based on things that they can't control, you know, like the, you can control if you want to go back and look at what happened with CM Punk's career so that you seem knowledgeable and you don't go on Twitter and expect your hand to be held Uh, like these people literally expected, I guess, Excalibur to just start yelling like he's using the same entrance music he used into like and. I understand it I I understand like the WWE brain thing that this is just like a result of you know decades of stupid WWE programming and stupid WWE writing that has conditioned these people to expect uh, you know obvious and stupid storytelling Uh, but the idea that AEW needs to in every writing meeting be like okay well how can we make this dumber uh in order to win you know this mythical casual fan is ridiculous it actually reminds me a lot of speaking of politics it reminds me of the notion of a swing voter where there really aren't any swing voters anymore uh it's like this mythical person where yeah there's probably a few thousand people in the country that you know might decide between joe biden and Donald Trump, but the fact of the matter is that by and large, almost everyone has already made their mind up. Uh, and so to waste time, this is an idea in politics, you know, to waste time playing for these swing voters and not to just play to your vase is ridiculous. And it's the same kind of thing. Um, where I guess what really bothered me about this is that I do see a lot of gatekeeping in wrestling. Um, like the notion that, oh, well, you know, there's already an AEW podcast, so there shouldn't be another one. Like, that's more of a form of gatekeeping than, uh, you know, someone making a reference that part of the crowd might not understand. And I do know that a lot of this gatekeeping stuff was also in response to, you know, saying, like, you shouldn't make fun of people for not knowing about this. I just want to be clear. I only made fun of a journalist for not knowing about this. Uh. You know, most of the people at my house watching the pay-per-view had no idea, you know, that CM Punk could use this music. And just like I said, you know, I didn't recognize it at first either, even though you would think of all people, I would be the one that would immediately be like, oh, yeah, this is great. Uh, I didn't I didn't understand what was going on at first. You know, it took me a few seconds, but fortunately, the commentary team explained it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that song, because, uh, again, I didn't recognize I didn't really recognize that song until I heard the vocal part. Um I'm just like that with songs though. You, you, you folks might be the same way where it's can be really hard for me sometimes to recognize a song until uh, the vocal part starts. Uh, but anyway, my point is that this is not gatekeeping, you know, like the idea that maybe you as a wrestling journalist should brush up on the history of CM Punk before watching his biggest match to date. is not gatekeeping. Um, it re- this is what it reminds me of. Uh, it reminds me of back when I was working, you know, at the record store, um there was this guy who was for some reason extremely proud of the fact that he had never listened to Bob Dylan. And so you know of course at a record store you know there's this this became a frequent point of discussion where uh and and again I really don't understand why this person was like so proud of this fact uh but this person would you know uh very regularly mention to customers yeah you know I've never even really listened to Bob Dylan which was also a little fishy because we would sometimes play out Bob Dylan in the store. But in any case, uh, something really funny happened one day, which was, we had a regular customer, uh, one of my favorites and one of my favorite types of customer, uh, which was basically, you know, the guys crate digging for samples. Um, cause I have a lot to talk about with those guys. Cause you know, more, I'm a fan of hip-hop, but I'm more of a fan of, you know, 80s and 90s R&B, which is where a lot of those sample snitch guys love to go. And, uh, so I would talk to him a lot, and he was in the store one day, and, of course, this guy has to bring up, you know, I've never listened to Bob Dylan, and, uh, this guy's response was, well, that's really fucking stupid. (laughs) And I should mention, too, you know, that this guy, uh, very much did not look like the type of person you would assume uh, listens to Bob Dylan. Uh, This is like, you know, a very hardcore, you know, hip-hop head type of guy who, uh, you know, had once told us and, you know, showed us on his phone, you know, that was legit, you know, that he had just toured uh, with, like, a major hip-hop arena act. And, uh, of course, you know, this guy making you know base assumptions uh base assumption i would never make you know assumed oh well this hip-hop guy probably has never even heard of bob dylan like he'll he'll get this and think it's funny uh yeah and this guy's response was well that's really fucking stupid and he went on to explain you know you can't un- really understand what's going on in music now if you don't know like what's been going on in music for you know for the past 50 years uh and at the time I just thought it was funny, but it's kind of like the more the more weeks pass from that incident, the more I realize, you know, just how wise that guy was. Uh, And that's what this reminded me of, where you can't understand really, uh, you know, where wrestling is going if you don't have some, you know, grasp of knowledge of wrestling history. Um, And I guess. uh, I feel, you know, a little bit. Because I know the knock on me, you know, is that I'm not as knowledgeable about the product and, you know, some of the recent history of the product as, you know, some other folks. Um, But by the same token, you know, I uh, do take this stuff very seriously. And so, you know, if I'm watching Revolution, you know, I'm going to be going back, you know, with some of these matches and, you know, looking at the history of some of these people involved uh, because that just seems obvious to me, you know. And this thing, you know, with being kind of like over proprietary of takes, you know, to where I even saw someone uh, really get taken to task on Twitter uh, for making a very obvious joke about a photo. And I don't want to get into the specifics of it because I know that some people listen to the show. I don't want to offend anyone. Uh, but, you know, the notion that someone should be made fun of for making a obvious joke that someone else made. uh is just a little bit too far for me, honestly. And I do think, you know, there is something to be said where I do feel like, you know, some of the more wrestling-oriented review shows, uh, you know, going into the week-a-week of things, uh, you can kind of miss some of the larger uh, points and insights that can be made uh, about the product uh, as a whole. And that's exactly what I want the show to do, you know, going forward Uh, Of course, you know, we're going to note the weekly stuff and we'll still preview Dynamite and, you know, still talk about pay-per-views and things of that nature. Uh, But I really want to go have more, go and, you know, really focus on some of these more long-term questions about AEW, where it's headed, you know, the impact that AEW can have on culture overall, honestly. Uh, And that's something I can get into more, you know, if you guys want, but I do think that there are aspects of, just today's modern life they really have the potential you know to f- fuel another big wrestling boom um you know the kind of which we saw during the 90s um and i think that's because and i'll talk about this a little bit um i can't flesh it out more though if you guys want uh i do think that there is a moment here where we're primed for like another big wrestling boom like the kind that we had in the 90s and that's because Wrestling can can tap into uh, an aspect of modern life and various aspects of modern life that other art forms can't tap into in the exact same way. And the reason why I'm bringing this up today is because I had a good recent example of this. This is another guy I worked with at the the record store, actually. Um, This is just on my mind because a friend of mine from the record store was at the Revolution thing. Um, So I've been, you know, just kind of thinking about that whole time period of my life. Uh, but we used to work with this guy. Um, and I've been keeping time, you know, I, him and I are friends on Facebook and all that stuff. And the other day he posts this like three paragraph rant. And during the course of this rant, he basically admits, you know, that he's been hiding the fact that he's like a Trumper for years. <laughs> and, uh, I realize, you know, midway through the first paragraph, I'm like, oh, shit, this guy is turning heel. And that's exactly what this three paragraph thing was, is it was a heel promo of him being like, look, I've pretended to be liberal this whole time, but now the gloves are off. And I should also note that like like we're talking like Chris Jericho wife Trumper type stuff. Like, And the fact that this guy, I guess, has just been like hiding this this whole time was a major shock to uh a lot of his friends on facebook and a lot of us you know that worked with them at the store and uh you know had no idea the extent of his uh just how different his beliefs were from ours and look i mean this is just an anecdote but it is an example and i can just say that like again anecdotally Showing a bunch of people who have never seen wrestling or like maybe watch wrestling a couple times or, you know, not lapsed fans, people that just have like never really gotten wrestling. Uh, the stuff that they tend to gravitate towards are a lot of these like like the Adam Cole soap opera and things of that nature that fit right into this like reality show social media thing feed thing. And I know that someone out there is like, oh like once like, Vince Russo, but on Twitter, no, I don't. I'm just saying that, like, this is the type of story uh, that I really do think that AEW can tell, uh, given their talent and given the freedom that they give their talent. I think they could tell these kinds of stories where, like, with this Adam Cole soap opera, it very much taps in uh, to this kind of, like, online drama that everyone is privy to now. We're all a part of it. Uh, and I think it has some real currency and so that's why you know stuff like that Kingston Jericho feud part of why I felt like that feud was so hot is that it very much felt like real life stuff to me like people I know you know that work together uh, who have developed disagreements based on you know what did this other person do in their career like that's real life shit and I think that the more AEW kind of embraces you know storylines like that uh, the more I think they're really on to something and To be sure, uh, you know, I wouldn't want them to see, you know, again, I'm not asking for like a Vince Russo thing where every story, you know, is juicy and salacious and all this stuff. I do think, though, that, you know, AEW has the ability to, you know, maybe a couple storylines in the show are like that and it helps them tap into that audience. I just um, I always like it Uh, like this Adam Cole soap opera stuff like I know a lot of people are not into it for various reasons. And I will say that uh, there's a nice piece on. Well, I'll talk about that later, actually. Uh, But yeah, these are the stories that AEW can tell, and that they should tell. And I think, you know, from my perspective, as someone who, uh, you know, did not watch wrestling for a few years because I had a very similar thing, where and I have a piece about this just on Twitter at Blake on Wax. It's my pin piece. You can read it if you want. Uh, just about how I, you know, stopped watching wrestling for a while for various reasons. And, you know, as I come back to it, um, you know, I try to be, uh, you know, in the interest of not being a Louis Dangor or whatever. I try to be transparent about the fact of like, look, you know, I may not have the same breadth of, you know, knowing who's like wrestled, who, where and for how long and whatnot. Uh, but I do feel like... um there's more to understanding something like wrestling than that, uh, and I'm I'm hoping you know that that you folks, even if you're listening and you know you maybe feel like you have a better grasp of the history of the past you know 20 years of wrestling, uh, that's fine. I do hope that you still, on occasion, appreciate the insights that I do have because uh, I do feel like there's a there's a lot of different perspectives that one can, this is so obvious, but yeah, of course there's a lot of different perspectives that one can have. Uh, And again, you know, I just see a lot of this. Like I, I saw someone on Twitter being like, Oh, I would like to make a podcast and talk about, um, you know, some of the smaller indie shows like Terminus and a few other things. Uh, I would like to do that, but there's already so many wrestling podcasts, you know, there's plenty of opinions that one can have on wrestling it's okay that there's plenty of wrestling podcasts. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Because sometimes uh, someone that you may not feel like could bring a lot of insight to a situation actually can. Um, In great contrast to the Louis Dangors of the world uh, who are only interested, you know, in, uh, you know, what's good for WWE essentially. Um, I'm always someone where I want to have more perspectives rather than less. Uh, But that's just how I go about things. That's just where I'm coming from. Um, had another question where, uh, Hey Blake, uh, I actually really love your fantasy booking. <laughs> Don't worry. This is not going to be a, a regular segment. Uh, I'm just wondering, uh, who do you think should fight hangman, uh, now that he beat Adam Cole? And, uh, there was a really nice piece on, uh, voices of wrestling. Uh, Joey wrote it about, uh, just, uh, That This Adam Cole, Hangman Page feud uh, really didn't have a lot of heat to it. And even though, you know, I'm a huge Adam Cole guy and I thought it was a great match that they ended up having. uh, I thought it was a great piece because I do think that there was a especially relative to some of the other matches on the card, uh, especially relative, you know, to like Kingston, Jericho or Punk MJF. Uh, you know, Adam Cole and Adam Page standing across from each other, even at the pay-per-view, like, you felt the difference. Like, there just wasn't the same amount of heat there. Um, so who would I have Adam Page fight next? Uh, that's easy for me, actually, and that would be Miro. Um, you know, he there's been reports that he's well enough to wrestle again. He's just been waiting on creative. I think that's a great example of someone who you can take back uh, you know have a bit of a surprise because you know even though people know he's coming back and he's only been gone for you know what since November uh, it's still going to be a big moment when Miro comes back and I really think that the kind of match that Adam Page would have with Miro would be the kind of match that we haven't seen you know from this hangman run yet which is him very much looking like an underdog in the situation and I actually think that that's part of why there wasn't enough heat for that Adam Page Adam Cole match um, and that's because that you know uh, I really never felt at any point during that feud that Adam Page would lose the title uh, you know even with all the subterfuge of you know the six people that help Adam Cole win matches it never felt like that at any point Adam Page adam cole (laughs) adam page wait uh looked like he was going to lose and i think that's a major issue that you have for the main event of your pay-per-view um so for me i would love to see miro get booked into that spot uh you know you're gonna do this surprise return uh hangman can actually look like an underdog in this feud and you know most importantly this match will be really incredible uh and I don't think you can really understate that. Uh, I'm a huge Miro guy. I actually would love to have Miro just come back and just win the title. Uh, you know, I don't think he would be served going back into that TNT title picture. Uh, for me, I think he would be a great person to have the the belt. And so, yeah, if you're asking me to fantasy book, that's that's what I would do. Um, Had a question about... Uh, Tony Khan booking Ring of Honor. Yeah, uh, this came out over the weekend, just that he said that he would be doing the booking there. Um, This person asked, does it concern me? Uh, It doesn't, honestly, and that's just because, at least right now, we still really have no idea what Ring of Honor will even look like when it comes back. And, uh, you know, I think that the other thing about Ring of Honor is that... um, You know I'm not sure you know kind of based on any you know you folks can go and listen to this uh, just that really long uh, media call that Tony Khan did Um, based on what I'm hearing from him um, I'm not really sure that Ring of Honor is uh, you know going to come back in the way that some people seem to be expecting it will Um, and so I'm actually not all that concerned about like the idea that Tony Khan will like his booking will sometime like he'll be spread too thin uh, because honestly, I kind of already think he is spread too thin. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, it might result in another one of these shows where there's like uh, like you folks might remember that show where it felt like there were a bunch of um, interviews on the ramp and like altercations on the ramp and then it seemed like the next week it was like everything was like there were four feuds that were set up by people attacking people that were talking to Tony Shivani you know it's one of these things where uh they do need to kind of like vary their writing and storytelling a little bit more and so I guess it's easy to picture you know Tony's running Ring of Honor and we suddenly have three weeks of dynamite where everybody is like back on the loading dock or whatever I guess that's easy to picture but I honestly think that you know, if it is going to be, uh, like an NXT for AEW situation, there's no lack of people that Tony can. And he mentioned, you know, asking Brian Danielson and I think William Regal, Of uh, you know, uh, you know, he might ask them to help out or whatever. That seems obvious to me, especially given Brian Danielson's recent, you know, wanting to make this Danielson dojo thing, uh, it makes a lot of sense to me, honestly. Um, So, no, I'm not worried about Tony uh, booking um, ROH. I'm really interested in it. Um, I actually really think that there is more than enough room, not just for like a a AW NXT situation. I think there's more room, you know, for them to run a separate brand um, and really have it be, you know, what Ring of Honor was, which is, you know, focused on the in-ring product with minimal uh, fills, you know. Um, that's, that's at least what, when I think about ring of honor. And again, I thought it was really funny because people, one of the knocks on CM Punk using that entrance music was, you know, this was when ring of honor was a DVD only product. And yeah, you know, I remember those days. Um, I remember tape trading, frankly, like VHS tape trading wrestling. Um, well, it's like, of course it was a DVD product. It's like, what was the alternative? Like, there was no streaming. So, yeah, it was a DVD-only product. I just thought that was such a dumb point for someone to bring up. Um, it was only on DVDs. How could people even watch it? Like, it was 2003, man. Everybody had a DVD player. Just fire up the PS2. Uh, in any case, though, um, had another question, uh, which is just asked about what I think of uh, the commentary team Um, and just mentions, you know, um, this actually dovetails nicely with this other question uh, mentions, you know, just how much they like the commentary uh, in ring of honor. And I actually, uh, I have watched some pretty recent ring of honor stuff and I actually really like that commentary team too. And I really hope I know he made a public statement saying, um, Ian did, you know, that he would continue. Um, I would anticipate that happening, you know, just because I, I, you know, Tony likes continuity. He likes the history of wrestling. It makes sense that he would just have that commentary stay on. Um, but, yeah, this person specifically mentions uh, VJ, uh, Jim Ross, and Chris Jericho. Um, and this, actually, I'm really glad that you wrote in with this question because it, this actually is an issue that I wanted to talk about on the show. Uh, and that's just that AEW does find themselves in a bit of a pickle. Uh, With their commentary team And I'll explain why, you know Because for those of us watching You know, on a week-to-week basis um, I don't think any of us really (laughs) Want to hear JR uh, You know, every Dynamite And every pay-per-view I imagine a lot of us Probably don't like hearing Chris Jericho Either, who is just I was pretty surprised, actually Because I was Impressed, you know, I actually think That Chris Jericho is not that bad of an interviewer, uh, you know, if you listen to talk is Jericho and I do, depending on the guest. I'm definitely not going to listen to any of those episodes where it's like like him going into conspiracy theories and stuff. I guess that might be entertaining from some standpoint. But, uh, you know, I listen to the wrestling ones. I If you haven't heard the Jade Cargill one, I'll talk about this a little bit later. That's really an informative one um and out of that kind of tier of podcast you know i'm i really like it when people i'm interested in are on renee piquette's show just because she's a great interviewer and is sometimes like you look at that dax hardwood stuff she's sometimes able to get like really good things out of people um and in a way where um you can tell that people are just comfortable talking to her in a way where of course you're not going to be that comfortable talking to chris jericho (laughs) um so it, it makes sense from that standpoint but I did just want to give a shout out because I do think that she uh, is a really good interview um, and that's a hard thing to do um, something else I do also want to mention just before I forget because I forgot to mention this when I was telling that anecdote about the guy that said that he didn't listen to Bob Dylan uh, he left the store and his his story was that he was going to work at Dr. Dre's studio and so you know what came up in conversation like oh well like where is Dr. Dre's studio uh which this guy said California so you can imagine you know him getting in his car pulling out his google maps typing in Dr. Dre's studio comma California and driving to his first day of work I'm sure um but in any case uh you know it's interesting because again you know i don't think that any of us are really appreciating uh you know what jim ross is bringing to the table these days or chris jericho um but these same type of viewers where uh th- those people are on the show for a reason you know and just anecdotally a friend of mine who hadn't watched wrestling in years um, send me a message the other day where he's like, "Oh, it's so cool that Jr. is on Dynamite." And, you know, this is his first time watching AEW, and this is the text that he sends me. Oh, it's so great to recognize Jr. And I know that Tony realizes this. That, uh, and a lot of people, you know, realize this. Where you look at how popular wrestling was in the late '90s, and you look at how popular it is now. You know, those people who were watching during the Attitude Era that now don't watch, they're still just out there. And that text message that I got was very informative because for a lot of them, when they turn on Dynamite and they hear Jim Ross, they love it because it reminds them of everything that they like about wrestling. But then, of course, you know, what happens later in the show, you know, he sends me this message of like, wow, JR sounds like he's really losing it. And isn't that, you know... Like imagine how many other people are having that exact same kind of arc watching dynamite where you're like, Oh yeah, I'll check out AEW. Oh, cool. You know, Jim Ross is on. Oh, like by the end of the show, you're like, maybe Jim Ross shouldn't be doing this anymore. Uh, and I think, you know, it was a nice moment when they brought, you know, Jim Ross, they bring Jim Ross out for like a special main event. Uh, you know, like that hell in the cell match. Um, I'm not even saying you need to do something that, drastic i'm just saying like maybe jr doesn't need to be on two hours of dynamite every week uh because and especially at that pay-per-view and i know other people mentioned this just how upset he was getting at excalibur you know what's the difference between a liar bomb kind of thing um i honestly a lot of times when i'm listening to jr i really don't think that he's even really enjoying what he's doing that much um and you know far be it for me to say like Well, they should can this guy or whatever, uh, because obviously he's he's a legend in his own right, you know. Uh, but I do like you do notice just how bad the commentary is at times, you know, especially, um, on those Friday night rampages where there's like five wrestlers on commentary. Uh, it really, really does uh stand out, you know, as where you think and you know I'm reading this email, yeah. Like, the thought of, you know, Excalibur and the two Ring of Honor guys, like, that's amazing. You know what I mean? And so much better than what we're getting now. Um, I will say, though, I I do love, like, just how much you can hear that JR is enjoying saying shiznit uh, every time Adam Page, you know, is on the screen. He loves saying shiznit i don't know if like maybe he always wanted to say shiznit and vince would never let him say shiznit but you can tell he's just he's having the time of his life saying shiznit um but going through you know back to this question the 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 issue at hand um the commentary team and i was going to do a whole series where i talked about every aspect of the company including the commentary um the pay-per-views, everything, it was going to be called A AWA to Z. If you guys would like me to do that, I can still do it. It's just it didn't seem like there was that much interest, and um, uh, I just, you know, forgot about it basically. Uh, but I did, part of why I wanted to do that series is because I did want to address this, and this is another thing where if, you know, you're doing a weekly review show, um, you may not, you, you know, you can't really go about it in the same way where you're going to just kind of be focused on the week-to-week of things where... You know, looking at it in its entirety, you know, does Jim Ross add something to the product? He does, and that's just this recognition, which with these, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not doing, like, the mythical casual fan thing. I'm saying, you know, that uh, there are lapsed fans uh, that are gettable, and that will come back. They're just the type of fans that would not care if CM Punk used a different entrance music, Uh, but they like hearing JR, and I do think um while this company is still trying to get uh you know a foothold against WWE I think that there's a lot of value there and so I would not expect him or even Chris Jericho honestly for the same reason um to be removed anytime soon and I think that's because the network itself probably likes that recognition um it's just it is interesting and I would love to hear from you guys if you've had this happen uh to you you know where you will show someone AEW uh, and just over the course of the show, they'll be like, wow, Jim Ross is really losing it because it does seem really obvious, you know, that he is losing it. You know, not only is he. Uh, and when I say that he's losing it, I also want to make I'm not talking about his talent as a commentator. I'm talking about the fact that he seems very disinterested at times and very displeased with the product oftentimes, too. Um, so, yeah, I, I appreciate that being brought up just because it is something that I want to talk about. Um, so that's the end of listener mail this is a, one of the longest listener mails I've done and I'll be back with a quick dynamite preview in a minute
0: in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey junior rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now
1: And we're back. So what's on Dynamite tonight? Um, I think the match I'm most excited about, and this is obvious, uh, is just the Sammy Guevara uh, uh, Scorpio Sky match. I think, you know, for a Dynamite title challenge like this, this was built pretty effectively. You know, I think this story of uh, Scorpio Sky not losing for, I think it's, what, 364 days or something like that, uh, going against Sammy I think there's a lot of intrigue and I do feel like this is one of those nights where I would not be surprised if they did the surprise title change um, just because you know they may want they may have you know different plans uh, for Sammy other than you know if they are wanting to put the TNT title on Wardlow which I think would be really interesting um, they may not want Sammy to drop it you know maybe the easier way to do that is to have Scorpio Sky drop it um, and hot shot it in that way that's not hot shining. sorry. Um, but in any case, uh, I am really excited for this match. I think that Sammy has really shown uh, that he deserves that pillar designation as much as anyone. You look at the quality of his in ring work uh, in 2022 so far. You just look at the, in 2022 the in ring work of Sammy Guevara. I think it's it. You can it's it stands alongside anyone else in AEW, frankly. Um, Layla Hirsch versus Thunder Rosa. This is interesting. You know, I don't really know what to make of the way they've been booking the woman's title. It seemed to me like what a great opportunity to put the title on Thunder Rosa at that pay per view. Um, looks maybe they're planning on having her drop it at this next Dynamite. Um, if she beats Layla Hirsch, uh, really. <laughs> Speaking of stupid people on Twitter, you probably saw this fake controversy of, look, A.W. has this heel wearing Russian colors. This is terrible. Like, Layla Hirsch is Russian, and she's been wearing Russian colors from the get-go. You know, this is an example of, uh, there's just this kind of new kind of journalist who I find really troubling, which is the I-am-not-going-to-Google-anything kind of journalist, where if I have to look something up, You know, that's your problem and on you. I shouldn't have to look anything up. It's a very weird. uh, I'm not really able to discern if it's a form of cynicism or if it's a a form of entitlement. It may vary by the person. But in any case, uh, I really can't stand people like that. Um, Chris Jericho to address Eddie Kingston. That's going to be a great segment. Uh, I am interested I, I feel like, and I know AEW doesn't like to book rematches, I feel like there's enough juice in this kingston Jericho feud uh, that they could and should keep it going, frankly. And so I'm hoping that's what happens tonight with that. Uh, something else I wanted to talk about, since I imagine that we'll see her at some point, uh, is Jade Cargill. And going back, you know, like, let's look back at this pay-per-view uh, and the moments during revolution where things you know felt a little long and i'll say you know just with our party here uh the moment that really broke up the show you know where people started you know going out and taking smoke breaks and things like that was the jade cargo match and i think um i really think that aw needs to sit and think about jade cargill a little bit because i don't think that jade cargill is a pay-per-view wrestler i don't think that anyone bought uh you know revolution based on this jade cargill match i don't think that anyone is ever gonna buy a pay-per-view based on a jade cargo match and that's not to say that she's not a valuable part of the company she is at this point it's just if you're gonna watch an aw pay-per-view you're gonna want to say a certain level of in-ring product that Jade Cargill is just not able to deliver at this point. And, you know, when she won the TBS title, uh, it seemed like a good move at the time to me. You know, I was like, Oh, that makes sense. That's good. But kind of, it's kind of one of those things in life. And the thing it reminds me of is, uh, maybe, you know, there's a friend of yours or an acquaintance, uh, that you see socially and you like seeing them socially uh but then you know let's just say theoretically some things happen and you end up being roommates with this person and it's kind of like well i like this person as like a guy to see at parties i don't really know if i like this person like a roommate person that's kind of what jade cargill winning that title was like for me uh because now that we actually see that the reality of jade cargill having a title is having to watch her wrestle 10 minutes every week um that's a much different situation than just the idea of Jade Cargill winning the title. And I'll also say, like, look, I get it. She has she has star power. I get it. I will say, though, a lot the way that people talk about her, like, they make her sound like she's going to be the next Dwayne Johnson or something like that. Where it's like, I'm sorry, a lot of her heel shtick is just doing the, like, looking like somebody grumpy in line at the DMV kind of situation. Uh, you know, like you see this lady in line at the DMV, you're a DMV clerk, you know, you're gonna have a rough time. That's unfortunately how a lot of her heel shit comes off to me. Like she's smelling bad things or just looks like she's grumpy. Uh, and her mic work is nowhere near the point where like people saying that, you know, like she's a star, she's the next big thing. Like, uh, her mic work is just not anywhere. It's not even in the same building that it needs to be in, uh, for her to be with that kind of situation. So, uh, I think they've done an amazing job. Like I'm not a Jade Cargill hater. Like I think they've done an amazing job building her up. She's obviously improving at a really impressive rate in the ring to where like she is a lot better than she was a year ago. She still is probably the worst wrestler. Like stop and think about it. She's probably the worst wrestler on AEW that gets regular TV time. And I don't think that that's, you know, I don't think that that's that hyperbolic to say. And from my perspective, I referenced this earlier, but she had a pretty lengthy interview with Chris Jericho where my takeaway from that interview is like, okay, well, she is signing with WWE like the second that she can. And so I kind of just wonder, like, what, ex- what what, what exactly is the point of feeding your entire women's division uh, to someone that can't wrestle and I don't think is even that good on the mic, frankly when it seems so obvious that they're just going to go to WWE the second their contract is up. Like, I know they'll have her put someone over on the way out. uh, But I just don't know if there isn't a better fit. And I know uh, a lot of people have talked about how shallow, you know, the women's division is in AEW. Um, And I do think it's important to note that that is, and I know I'm the AEW super fan mark guy, but that is an AEW problem to be clear like if you watch like independent wrestling shows you watch other companies you see there's actually and not just in WWE like there's a lot of talented women wrestlers out there and you wonder like why aren't more of them in AEW and I know they've done a great job there's a lot of success stories that they have in their women's division um, but I think to me you know it's pretty clear uh, that they have an issue when it comes to recruitment where um. Again, there are a lot of talented women wrestlers out there some of them are out of contract are under contract I understand how that stuff works, but a lot of them aren't <laughs> And I'm not the only one saying this but when you watch, you know a Jade Cargill uh, Sucks so much TV time not really deliver anything in the ring um, and you know Really was det- detrimental. I think when you look at the pay-per-view that is where the show was killed for me because it was a match where there was zero suspense as to what was going to happen. And you knew the match was going to be really bad from an in-ring standpoint. So I guess just, you know, from where I sit, what is the point of this Jade Cargill experiment uh, you know, in the long term? Is this going to be something worthwhile for the company in the, in the long term? This is something I don't see a lot of people asking questions about. Um, it's kind of more of just like, yeah, she's green now, but she has all this potential and, you know, she's so charismatic. I don't really think she is that charismatic. You know, I uh, and it's not just mic work. A lot of it is like her her mannerisms and things like that. I think that she has a lot of work to do on her character. And if I was on the AW writing team, since someone likes my fantasy booking, this isn't really fantasy booking. But if you listen to that interview with Chris Jericho, she talks a lot about how independently wealthy uh she is and you know her husband's a very successful baseball player I guess. Uh I think if they're wanting to make like actually give her like a rich heel character, I think leaning into that would be the move where um especially in this climate, <laughs> you know in our current in 2022, uh I think a rich person heel could be very effective and I kind of wondered if they were hinting at that the the other night where she was wearing that like money sign bodysuit. Um I think that is a very fruitful angle that they could pursue. And going forward uh with Jade, I hope that uh they've been doing a real disservice to her in booking her in these matches that kind of expose her as being so green, you know. I was kind of confused like this seems like the great opportunity to either, you know, maybe like put her in a tag team with someone and they can have like a, or like a mixed thing, like that they did with the shack thing or put her in like a three-way or a four-way where there's more women that can actually wrestle and cover things up for her. Um But yeah, it, just from where I sit, it really is becoming like a, uh, like a bad roommate situation where you're like, Oh my God, like the just knowing, you know, Oh yeah. On dynamite, you know, there's going to be, A 10 minute segment with jade cargo that i'm gonna take a piss during uh this is a problem for me and i think it's something that other people will tap into as well um so let me know what you guys think about that because yeah i'm just not i'm not and it's not that i don't like i i i understand the appeal i think they've been doing a great job building her up it's just i think if you're gonna make the bread and butter of your company you know we are the wrestling company our fans are wrestling fans our wrestlers are pro wrestlers uh, committing 10 minutes of your TV every week to a bad in-ring product and it's bad it's a bad in-ring product like even her matches that are better they are still bad especially relative to uh, other women in the women's division or of course you know like the other matches on dynamite in totality you know but even compared to a lot of the other people in the women's, most people in the women's division you know um, I couldn't be more excited, you know, that Hikaru Shida came back, you know, on Rampage, because that's uh, she's my favorite person in the division, and I hope that they actually will give her, uh, you know, beyond this Serena Deep thing, something to really sink her teeth into, uh, because I think Hikaru Shida is uh, just a tremendous worker, and um, uh, if you read some of her in- interviews, uh, I know there was the one where she was, you know, complaining about travel arrangements and things of that nature, which. I saw people brushing off pretty uh, quickly, you know, as like, well, of course they're not going to find you a place to live and da da da. Um, that's something that is more, um, uh, from what I know, something that's a lot more common um, in wrestling in other countries, uh, you know, where they help you find a place to live and things like that. Uh, I actually think it was pretty reasonable that she would expect something like that. And I will understand why she would be upset if that didn't end up happening. Like, she didn't get the kind of help that she felt like she needed because um, you think about you know how difficult it must be to be a wrestler in a country that is not your country um, that's got to be really difficult and part of why you know I would love to to see them actually do something more with Karoshida. Um, like if they don't for whatever reason want to drop the belt to Thunder Rosa even though it seems like something they should do and that people would like to see them do uh, maybe you, you put her in the feud with Britt Baker because I do think that Um, It is getting to the point where it feels like they need to do something pretty drastically different with the women's division and not just with the belt. You know, I I think this has been something again, you know, uh, most eloquently, the Everything Elite podcast has talked about this issue with the women's division. uh, But it's something that a lot of other people are talking about as well. And just, you know, as we're as I'm kind of introducing AEW to people that haven't watched wrestling or haven't watched wrestling in a few years. That is one of the things that stands out, especially if we're talking about the AEW product versus the WWE product. Like that's kind of the thing, the women's division, that's always the thing that I have to be like, well, yeah, I know like um, there's more, the WWE's done a better job with that and they have. And, you know, for someone that, uh, you know, literally thinks that the, the WWE is an evil company, that's something that I will even, you know, I will even give that to them. Um, they have a a great women's division. Um, that uh they love to use to help uh prop up the Saudi government. Um, but in any case, uh, that's all I can find on Dynamite tonight. I'm sure we'll hear from CM Punk. You know MJF. Uh, there's things that aren't announced that we know will happen. Uh, something else that I would like to see addressed. Uh, I know they recently. I know the, that Owen Hart tournament isn't starting for a couple months, but I would like to hear a little bit more about that. Um, something else I expect to see is there has been some kind of rumblings of them doing something with New Japan. I don't know if you guys were watching that um, that press conference, uh, which, by the way, you know you want to talk about how worthless these like blue checkmark shit posters are. Um, more than any, you know, Twitter discussion or podcast or anything I find myself, you know, um, I get a lot more out of listening to these media scrums than I do out of anything else. And there was a really interesting tidbit. And this may have just been a joke that I picked up on and I'm making too much of it, but you can go back and look at this. It was CM during CM Punk's thing. He was talking about just how MJF is such a wrestling fan and is so knowledgeable about, um, even really obscure, you know, wrestling that you've never heard of. um, And then just like randomly, CM Punk added this aside, and I I don't have a quote in front of me, but he was like, I think he does hate New Japan, though, which is like really interesting because, of course, MJF doesn't actually hate New Japan. Uh, I just wondered, like, oh, like, are they going to like set this thing up where, um, because there's been all these reports of, you know, Okada's going to come for like a little run in the States. It would be really interesting, I think, um, to have to maybe like get him involved in this CM Punk mjf feud and again this may just be like me making too much out of a little joke here but if you looked at tony's reaction to it um what an amazing way for them to you know do this event with new japan but to have mjf you know talking shit about new japan and i you do know, like uh there's a storyline there that could be really fun and interesting that i would like to see happen and I promise that uh, I will take unless you guys ask me for specific things. I'm going to take a, a vacation, a fantasy booking vacation two times in this show is enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would just I think because, you know, when I first heard this, like, oh, yeah, New Japan, you know, is going to do some stuff with AEW and Okada might be part of it. Of course, the person you think of immediately is like Brian Danielson and like, oh, is this is going to be like a celebration of like really good in ring wrestling. Um that's just kind of where I would assume they would go with it. But now that I'm thinking like, oh, man, it could be really entertaining to have MJF uh, like to ha- to almost bring in New Japan to AEW as the face, you know, company in a feud against MJF. What a better way to introduce Okada to an American audience, you know, because uh, the AEW fans like obviously they're going to lose their shit when they see Okada in the ring. But especially, you know, him face against MJF like that's I think that's a really interesting way to do an invasion angle like that and something they might want to consider but again i'm going to take a fantasy booking vacation uh starting right now uh so that's that's what we have for tonight's dynamite um i did want to come and just talk a little bit uh just about cm punk i'll be back and i'm going to talk about it just a little bit uh just in a few minutes to just come back for a bit and just give my thoughts on this uh CM Punk uh feud with MGF uh just since I have been paying a lot of attention to it you know and we had this just tremendous dog color match on Sunday which I I feel like will likely wrap this feud up and I can't imagine a more perfect way uh to wrap the feud up um something I've been thinking about CM Punk a lot uh since I started Doing this show and you know, kind of highlighting this feud in particular. Um, I think what we saw on Sunday was, uh, you know, and I mentioned this, uh, that we wanted to see CM Punk be CM Punk again. And I think after this Sunday, you know, we can all say, uh, that CM Punk is back. You know, he came back on August 20th, but the CM Punk that we really know and love. Uh, he came back last. Uh, he, he 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 came back on Sunday at Revolution. Um, I really recommend. I mentioned this earlier uh, to go back and watch that uh, press conference uh, with him and Tony Khan after the event. Um, CM Punk uh, spends most of it uh, in tears, crying, and I uh, I was crying a little bit too. You know, watching watching him well up because. Uh, and again you know I'm I'm not these aren't direct quotes here but you know he mentioned um, just that he felt like uh, you know his career was cut short and that he, ha- he has had a lot of really good years you know of his career you know that were more or less you know taken away from him by WWE and I thought it was very telling you know that he made a specific point of mentioning just how happy he is that that ring of honor footage uh, and he even said that you know it was going to come down to two people, and I'm glad that Tony has it. Um, I think the question that I had in watching this um, is just why was CM Punk crying? You know, um, CM Punk's tears, you know, what, what 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 caused them, you know? And I think for me, um, CM Punk is at his best, uh, especially as a face, also as a hero, but especially as a face, is when CM Punk is... Ruthless in his pursuit of the truth. That is the thing that is great about CM Punk is his embrace of the truth, of authenticity. You know, what is his defining moment as a pro wrestler? It's his uh, infamous pipe bomb promo. That was all about CM Punk um, wanting to tell things how they were, wanting to uh, speak truth to power, wanting to pursue the authentic, to pursue the real. This is CM Punk at his greatest and we finally saw CM Punk doing just that with this feud with MJF and I think you know at the time that that promo that he did back in the fall where you know he mentioned wanting to you know set straight the bullies of AEW at the time you know that could seem like just some connective tissue of how to you know get him into this feud with MJF or whatever Uh, but I actually think that there's more to it and I think that CM Punk's anti-bully uh you know face character that he has I think that's just who CM Punk is now and I think that's because uh and he's spoken a lot to you know his bad experience in WWE and you know his bad experience in the locker room I think that CM Punk you know more than anyone else uh has been a victim of bullying and knows you know the damage that bullying really does you know not just to people but to communities to uh, Uh, professions like wrestling Um, bullying is uh, a very serious thing and I think that um, that promo back in the fall you know again it wasn't just connective tissue it was really him saying like you know I am going to be this anti-bully like face character you know this is him uh, because for a a couple months CM Punk was happy Phil Brooks and we got to see him come back and uh, be happy but I think that when he did that promo talking about like i'm gonna set straight the bullies i think that was him saying like look i'm back this is my character now and i think with this mjf feud uh that's really where this character has crystallized um particularly i know that it seemed like maybe an obvious thing uh that mjf ended up you know turning on him and like how could CM Punk not see that coming? You know, that this was just an artifice on the, on you know, MJF just being emotionally manipulative. Uh, the thing is, though, uh, you know, what did CM Punk say when he came out, you know, after MJF did that amazing promo? He asked him, is that real? And just saying that, like, I get chills because you see just how uh, and this feud was a little shaky. You know, at first, like, you know, especially that promo where Britt Baker came up and all this kind of WWE stuff. Uh, But that kind of um, character work of what, you know, what is the thing that CM Punk asks? Is this real? Because that's always where CM Punk is at his best is in his pursuit of the real, his pursuit of the truth. And so CM Punk, of course in character knew that mjf would turn on him like that i think cm punk the character uh was wanting to see if he would actually stoop to that level and then if mjf did stoop to that level he would then uh, the promo on rampage where he talks about you know he references his famous promo of wanting to become a monster to fight the monsters of the world and you just think about all the work that cm punk has done you know, to say, uh, you know, I left professional wrestling when I left Ring of Honor and now I'm back. Of course he's going to want to revisit some of these great Ring of Honor moments, including him uh, wanting to be the CM Punk that CM Punk wants to be, Um, just how important that is to him. Um, Knowing, you know, the core, you know, of who he is, uh, you know, at least his public persona, um I would argue that it is that he also realizes you know that he is back now and that he is the kind of CM Punk uh that can have the best match on a card and I think at one point or another he may have thought that those days passed him by whereas now I think he's probably realizing you know not only can I still do this but holy shit how much fun have I been missing out on and uh For me, it's it's just neat to see, you know, not just as a longtime CM Punk fan, um, but also as someone, uh, you know, that is his age. And, you know, this is the time in life where um, you really do take stock of what you've been able to accomplish and mistakes that you've made and things you've missed out on. The gravity of that um, when you are our age, uh, it really starts to weigh on you in a way that it just doesn't when you're in your 20s. Um, And so it makes sense to me, you know, CM Punk's tears and just as a fan. um, Again, you know, part of why I wanted to do this podcast is to to document just what's going on in AEW. And a big part of that is just the brilliance of CM Punk. And for me as a long term CM Punk fan, uh, to see him be one of the interesting parts of this wrestling company who for so long, you know, finally there is a reasonable and finally there's a realistic alternative, I should say, to the WWE to have him uh you know be in a lot of ways the head of the spear on that now in the work that he's able to do with this MJF feud and going forward. Uh it's immensely exciting. And I would really uh I would I I'm really excited to see uh where he goes from here and I'm on a fantasy booking vacation and so I'm not going to mention where I think that should be uh you folks probably have some great ideas too and ultimately we're talking about CM Punk and AEW it's probably going to be great regardless of what it is uh now that he's found his footing um so uh someone else that I wanted to mention uh on today's show is Bobby Fish that's right Bobby Fish uh today's words of wisdom are for Bobby Fish um uh, They are inspired by uh, just his um, amazing scenery eating. Uh, You know, I'm someone where, uh, you know, I consider myself a scenery eater. You know, I'm a frequent photo bomber, as you might imagine. Um, And uh, it's just something I really appreciate. But something I did want to say, Bobby, is that, uh, you know, it takes a special kind of person to be. I've never been in a stable, but, um, you know, I could be if I was asked. Uh, and so I'm just saying like, you know, for you, Bobby Fish, you